Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this super special episode of Business Growth Secrets. I'm really, really, really excited today because we've got a guest on that I think is going to add some massive, massive value to it for you. Um, well known for his role on Dragon's Den, Tej Lavani has built his own companies as well as investing in multiple other companies and is an expert on business growth. So I'm really honored to have Tej on the show. I can't wait to uncover some of the story and get to know you better and understand what your journey's been. But just want to say, first of all, thanks for coming on and welcome to the show, Tej. How are you doing, buddy? You all right? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks, Adam, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, yeah, look forward to, to getting into it. Absolutely. So what I'd like to do today, really get the audience to understand, obviously, we've got a big listener base of businesses that are growing. And obviously, as a one of the UK's most prominent businessmen, you've had an amazing rise to success. And, and obviously, your company, Vitaposics, has been amazingly successful. Then your role on Dragon's Den. So I really want to try and understand, if we can, from the very beginning, you know, how did that start off? You know, how does somebody go and create a business in that manner and go on to have all the success? I'm sure there's been a few ups and downs, as there always is. But where did your kind of business journey start from would be the first question I wanted to jump into if we can. Sure. You know, uh, when I was quite young, I mean, fortunately, I was surrounded by family members, uncles, aunts, people who had set up their own businesses and been entrepreneurs. So that was great to have that exposure. Um, as a kid, I was always interested in business, uh, you know, from even selling computer games in schools and getting friends to sell it for me on behalf of that. So I enjoyed that aspect about it. Uh, my father's a scientist set up uh, Vitabiotics in 1971 that really came up with the true multivitamin formulations back then. And so it was always something I really wanted to do and um, join and help uh, his mission. And of course, back then, it was extremely difficult. People didn't really understand what vitamins were uh, and the benefits for them. So it was, it was challenging times to convince and uh, explain to people what it was. So, you know, I was involved in the business at, the, at a young age, just helping out. And then a lot more when, you know, just previous to university at the time. And then got involved in various departments of the business and really helped involve growing the business in the UK and then more internationally as well afterwards. Absolutely. Brilliant. And it's how was that entering the bit? Like the thing that I picked up from from what you just mentioned is it can be quite difficult to build a business when you have to convince the consumer base that they need the product right you know yeah. sometimes it's a bit easier to build a business when someone knows and they're hungry and thirsty for the product but yeah. how did you go about building that in that sounds like that was a consideration you know for you after yeah. you joined your company, especially 
How did yeah. you bring that in? What was the kind of methodology that you went about showing people that, hey, you, you do need this product? So I think it's a really important thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question, Adam. And you know, at the time, obviously, we didn't have much money or resources. So we'd want to make the brand speak for themselves. So creating brand names like Osteocare, Pregnacare, uh, you know, Wellman, things that really spoke about what the product was on shelves so customers would see that as a solution to an issue. And then obviously there was research that would try and get out there about what vitamins did. You know, and then there came a point where we went to approach the larger retail chains like Boots, for instance. Uh, we talked about menopause, our vitamins for menopause, and they were almost perplexed and they're like, you know, vitamins for menopause, why would you want that? You know, go sell a couple of hundred thousand, come back, and then we'll talk. So that's exactly what we did. So the Kuna thousand came back and said, Look, well, uh, put your money where your mouth is and give us a listing. So they did. And so it was literally, you know, a slow process of, of trying to convince people, get the message out there. People bought our products. They realized the benefits. They'd come back and buy more, talk about it, word of mouth. And then it was the advertising that we did was, was quite, you know, bold advertising, talking about the products, you know, in the underground, the buses that give us good visibility uh, as to what it was. And we sort of created solutions around that and effective products. To us, the formulations were key. The, the fact that they did work, and they're one of the very few companies, vitamin companies in the world that do clinical research behind the effectiveness of the product to make sure it actually does work. Uh, so, so really, you combine lots of different elements. I mean, was that something to you as an individual that was natural? Because I feel from having studied branding, that that what you just explained there was a massive business growth secret in itself. That did you get that instinctively? Did you learn that? Was that something that you tested? You saw worked and adopted because, like, Wellman as a brand, really well known yeah. brand, yeah. Yeah. does what it says on the tin, which obviously yeah. helps. How did you? How did you get that? Is that something that came naturally to you, or something that you? So, 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 so initially, um, the brand names originally were created by my father. He came up with some of the names uh, which which made complete sense because a lot of the time you get products which don't really tell you what the product does. And you've only got those few seconds to convince a customer to, to engage with you. Yeah. Um, so on the basis of that, then, you know, I started coming up with names and, and similar to that. And we used that as a strategy. And also even on the advertising, we'd make sure our logo was large because the brand name would communicate what the product was anyway. So you might as well have it big and people understood it. Um, one thing we did, which was different to a lot of the other competitors out there like Centrum or Seven Seas, was that we created individual brands for different categories versus a Centrum pregnancy or a Centrum men. Um, so we wanted to be the expert within that industry. Of course, that meant you know more pull in our resources because we had to put money into different brands versus just a Vitabiotics product. But I think it built us credibility in that particular category to create ownership and a leadership in that segment as the experts within that section. So did you compete against yourself then, almost? <laughs> we had brands in different categories, so like a joint supplement, a brain supplement, things like that. So we would identify certain categories where we think nutrition would play a role in certain organs and functioning more optimum and accordingly create a brand around it and build that category really physically because a lot of it didn't exist and we were the first to have a men's supplement and a women's supplement. Uh, and it makes logical sense now because women's yeah. physiology are different from men's and the nutritional needs are different as well. So so on, on that basis, then we, we further segmented it to a 50-plus vitamin, you know, a 70-plus at different age groups. You have different requirements of iron, for instance, uh, or in pregnancy. So we did all that scientific research and put together formulations 
and created these brands. Clients, essentially, didn't you? Then, obviously, yeah, yeah, exactly. found new clients, like new verticals to grow. That's you know amazing, absolutely. Yeah. And even the brand that you told me a moment ago when we came on, you were mentioning about Superdog straight away. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. it says on the tin, right? Yeah, you know, fantastic. Exactly. The branding really works, and, and you mentioned Mark, and, and obviously. You are now, from my understanding, certainly the most successful vitamin company in this country, but you're worldwide in 100 countries now. Is that correct, isn't it? That's, That's right. Awesome. So we've grown the business internationally. Um, UK, we are number one as a branded vitamin supplement company. And we've got about uh, 10 brands that are number one in their category, whether it's the calcium supplement or a pregnancy supplement, et cetera. And um, like in pregnancy, we've created different stages. So before pregnancy, conception, during and after. And within these products, we do some clinical trials, like our pregnancy supplement has been shown to double the chance of getting pregnant. And today, with infertility, is a big issue. You know, it's amazing that nutrition can play such an important part in terms of uh, making your organs function in a better way um, to, to get pregnant. So, um, and I think what it is, is, you know, again, having the different brands was challenging to try and create you know, separate. You have a certain amount of money. How do you how do you position it, and where do you position it? But what kept it interesting was that we had so many different segments. So how do you target uh, a pregnant customer versus a well man customer? So you really have to start thinking yeah. about the customer and you know where they're sitting, what they're viewing, you know, what type of messaging works for them. So it did keep us on our toes to really have to focus on different types of groups and have different marketing messages for them. And yes, and of course, not just the that part, the energy that goes into launching multiple brands, doesn't it? Because yeah. I think there's a, man, a, a massive amount of energy that's going to need to go into all of that. So what was the first, for you when you first became in the, in the, involved in the business, you're working in different departments, you're learning the business, what was like your first hit where you felt, you know what, this is going to be, be something? Was there a, a moment or was it more just progressive over the whole time, just continually working, continual focus? Or was there a moment where you saw things turn that you thought, hang on, this is going to be, you know, we've got something here? Do you remember? Do you yeah. Remember yeah. So, so when I joined the business, I, I started off in, in, in the warehouse, basically trying to help out in areas because it's a small business. You're, you're trying to help out. And I really want to understand different departments and, and, and work with different people and, and, and figure out how we can improve things, grow things. I think the first break happened well, when we realized we, we had a distributor in the UK who we were selling the products to, and they were dealing with all the national accounts, such as Tesco, Sainsbury's, Boots, et cetera. So at that point, we decided, you know, should we do it on our own and develop our own team to deal with the retailers? That was a really big step for us at the time and uh, and that was sort of a mini milestone where we, we sort of handled everything dealt with the buyers directly trying to push listings ourselves and, and really get full control um and then i think the second point was when we really wanted to our goal was to be number one at the time seven seas i think was double our size um and it seemed like such a far away goal to be able to reach and and, and hit that and now we're like i think three x of that but it's it, that was a real moment when we said we find we, we've achieved that and then um, you know, subsequently you have different goals internationally and different markets you want to get into and stuff like that. It's an amazing story as well. And do you think having that, it's really interesting because I, I love that, like having that we want to be number one mentality. How, how important do you think for somebody listening, is that, a, 
for some, as long as you can do the work, <laughs> yeah. you can actually do the yeah. work to get towards it. It's really yeah. important. But it can be, you know, in corporate strategies, sometimes they talk about a North Star. Was that a bit of yeah. a, a sort of a North Star for the business, do you think? Yeah, was it was like an overarching sort of goal and ambition we wanted to get. But then obviously to achieve that, you really have to break it down and see what do we need to do? Does that mean getting X number of listings in the store? Does it mean, you know, international expansion? Uh, also, or, you know, in the UK, does it mean focusing on certain brands where we think are going to grow more, put our resources in that to be able to get this sort of position? Um, so it does, uh, you know, you have to think about how you want to plan it and do it. And at the same time, you get competition. I mean, you know, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies saw vitamins as competition because they spend billions on drugs. And, um, you know, and if your nutrition company can show, effective results to clinical trials, then that could be a threat. So a lot of the pharmaceutical companies ended up buying up vitamin companies and because they were high growth at the time. So pretty much now, nearly most of our big competitors are all owned by pharmaceutical companies, which means that they've got a huge amount of resources to, to, to compete against us and try and get market share. And we have to think, you know, how do we, um, you know, we had, uh, I think it was seven C's that came in with their pregnancy vitamin. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, we're like, what do we do now? Because they were, they were run by a pharmaceutical company called Merck. And we're like, you're able to try and protect our market share, you know, focus on that one brand. We did everything we could. In the end, we managed to fight them off and actually increase our market share. So it's, uh, you've got to use different tactics and strategies, especially when, when you realize someone's got unlimited resources. How do you compete? What other things can you do? Um, so definitely, you know, keeps you on your toes. Hundred percent. Well, so many, so many things to ask. There's a couple of things I want to ask for the for the audience. And one of the things that I want to ask for the audience is you mentioned competition. You, you mentioned Seven Seas coming in with a similar product to you. Now, having trained many small business owners, one of the things that really affects their mindset in a big way is when people do exactly that. They see a product that they've created that's successful or a service they've created that's successful, and straight away they see their competition trying to model it. And and it really affects their mindset. I hear it a lot from the people are trained, the clients are trained. How, how did you how how did you handle that, or do you how did you approach that? Just be interested to know from your perspective yeah. as somebody uber successful. How did you approach that? Look, I think if people are copying you. It definitely means one thing that you're doing something right, okay, and that you clearly have created a market that people that consumers yeah. want. So that's step one. Step two is that you have to try and constantly innovate and improve your product. And you know the saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's completely wrong because actually you have to really keep fixing it even though it's not broken. And you know every single day I look, okay, can we improve the formulation? Can we improve the marketing message? Can the packaging be changed and improved? Can we, you know, whatever we can do, let's change and improve it and fine tune it. So within a span of a year, you have substantially improved different product to what the competition is doing. So your offering has to be better um, to the customer so that people keep coming to you because you're innovating in the industry. Uh, and it is tough, but I think that's the only way it works. And I try not to pay too much attention to my competitors because you can get caught up with it. As soon as you find yourself looking exactly what the competitor is doing and following that, you're a step behind. You need yeah. to be a step ahead you know, and lead the industry. I love that answer. And I think that'd be so helpful for a lot of people, you know, so many people on 
um, they really see that. And, and the other question that really became apparent is from working all the departments, trying to get to understand you know, your skills, because obviously we'll talk a little bit more about your, your journey from this company to, to becoming you know, a TV star. I think that'd be really interesting for the audience. What departments that you worked in resonated with you? It sounds like the branding and marketing specifically, but you sound very much like a strategist. As, you know, you know yeah. this is maybe yeah. working all those departments, honed those different skills. But was it, was it something about marketing? Was that the department that you know resonated with you? Or was it a different yeah. area? I'd just be really interested to know. Yeah, I think there's there's three areas. One is that I like bringing efficiencies into areas or simplifying things, cutting out stuff that's long-winded. Number two, I like technology. And three, I like the creativity and design aspect. Uh, and that includes the marketing and you know branding and things like that. So these are the three areas that interest me in the business. And I'll sort of float between between those areas and categories. Lovely. Um, and the other, what areas, is there any areas you're not interested in? <laughs> you know, <is> there, <laughs> I know it sounds mad. Maybe you don't answer that one. But is there something that you go, you know what, well, I hire great people in that area because that, that bit is, or is, do you have a, is there something like that for you or would you um, say? Yeah, I, I think I gravitate towards this and anything else. Um, I'll, I'll get involved if I need to get involved more like, um, you know, there's nothing that I really dislike, but it's you know I'd rather be doing doing these areas and get experts in in the other areas to to help out. But even the areas that I do like, I like to get experts there as well, so that because there's so many different things. Like even with with digital, you've got so many different areas that you know from like conversion rates, optimization, loyalty schemes, and you know so you need experts in different fields and and to bring it together. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. So uh, having grown this business and grown this business throughout, obviously you've then moved to become very well known for, um, on, on the Dragon's Den show. Um, what was the what was that like? I mean, was that something that you'd aspired towards? Did it come out of the blue? How's that? Has it impacted you? Has it changed anything for you? I, I mean, I guess you certainly understand the power of TV from a marketing perspective, mm. no doubt. Yeah. But, you know, what, what changed? Where, like, how did that come about? I'd be really interested to know. And, and what was your decision-making process with that, I suppose? Sure. Well, it's an interesting story, actually. I It did come out of the blue. I was having dinner with a friend of mine at Nando's who owned a, restu- who, um, <laughs> who owned a, radio, who owned a radio station. So him and his wife and my wife, Tara, were having dinner. And he said the BBC had contacted them, um, asking if they knew anyone suitable because they were looking to change dragons. So, and he thought, look, I, I thought you might be a great person to put forward. What do you think? So I said, look, I love this show. It's fantastic. You know, great show. I watch it. But I don't really know if being on TV is something that I'll be comfortable with or something for me. And I don't know about the time, etc. So I left it as that. Um, little did I know, the next morning, my wife calls him up and says, you know that thing you talked about yesterday? I think you should put Tage's name forward. And he was like, are you sure? I don't think you seem that keen. <laughs> and she said, well, actually, look, um, just do it anyway. I'll deal with it. And she was right. You know, I always wanted to work. <laughs> I always wanted to work with entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, and it's obviously getting over that fear, that boundary about okay, being on television, being on a public profile, but that's how you do it. You you push yourself. And so I thought, okay, maybe there's something here. I'll try and manage my time uh, around it. 
And so then I went to a series of uh, screen tests, interviews, and a short list of candidates, and eventually um, got the, uh, the position for Dragon. Would you, how did you feel when you got it? It was great. I mean, you know, it was quite daunting, I guess, the first day you go into, you know, the set um, for filming and you've got seven, eight cameras filming you on national television. And, you know, you literally, everything is shot live in a sense. It's, there's no retakes. It's whatever's recorded is recorded and it's just edited down. So, but, you know, you get into the zone because you're, you're investing in people and businesses and Australia where your focus is, is on that. Uh, but I guess what was interesting, you know, getting involved in businesses and investing in businesses that that was completely outside my own comfort zone, because I'm, yeah. you know, being in a, in a consumer goods company. So whether mm-hmm. it's a services company or a, yeah. I, remember, I think the first business I invested in was, um, was completely outside my comfort zone. I said, let me just throw myself in. So it was called Wool Couture, uh, a knitting business. And so as soon as she came in with this, these knitting products and I thought, that's the last business I'm going to invest in. I have no idea about that industry. <laughs> And by the end of it, uh, I invested because, you know, as much as um, the importance of the product, it's also the person. And um, so Claire, the founder, she really demonstrated uh, her skill and, and the real, you know, opportunity out there. And I invested. It was a great, great decision. And, you know, it's fantastic how the business has grown over the years. So, yeah, you, you have to get outside your comfort zone. And had you invested in businesses before? Was that new to you or just passively maybe? Or, you know, or was it something that when you went on, it was your first four reigns almost? Obviously, you had a super successful company already, but had you yeah. had, had some other investments? Did you work with other business owners prior to that? Yeah, I had uh, very few, uh, not that much. I mean, I was mainly caught up uh, in my own business, but I did uh, invest in one or two small businesses and I didn't have much of a hands-on approach. It would just be more of an update of what was happening. Uh, but I just enjoyed business. So for me, it was something I wanted to, to do and, and help entrepreneurs. And, you know, having had that experience about um, built up over the years, it's something that you can help people awesome. advise them, you know, not, not to make certain mistakes or this could be a wrong direction to go or, you know, the market would see this and, um, and about adding value and opening doors. To, to some of the entrepreneurs I thought was really uh, good. Absolutely. And and the investments, what did you look for? I mean, uh, for some, and not necessarily through Dragon's Den because not everybody's going to end up on Dragon's Den pitching someone, but there's a lot of people on that might be looking for an investor um, of some sort. What, what would you say are the most important things, having been a seasoned investor through Dragon's Den, made multiple different investments, what would you say you almost would be looking for? What do you look to see? There's certain elements or things. Is, do you have in your mind a, a kind of criteria that you look at here? Obviously, we know the person. The person's critical. But is there other things as well? Do you want to see proven market? What are the things for you that you're, you're looking for when you were analysing those deals? Well, actually, there are a couple of important things that I look at. Um, of course, the product is important. Uh, is there a market for the product? Uh, I want to understand if there's a proven business model. So it's great to say I've got this idea and, you yeah. know, any amount of money can, if you throw something at it, will sell, but is it sustainable? And is it a business model that works? You know, that, that there's a good return on investment. Is it scalable? And then you talk, look at the entrepreneur themselves. So for me, it's important to understand, A, they're transparent. There's someone I can 
work with will also take on some mentorship and advice um, yeah. and also that they are resourceful because they sh- they should be able to manage the resources effectively, not just with a load of money. Sometimes too much money is too bad. You want to be able to be creative and see how you can utilize funds to grow. Um, so, so having that resourcefulness is important and, um, and really understanding their business. So I need to know that they understand all aspects of their business, especially if it's a startup, uh, really have that. Of course, sometimes, you know, they, they come on and they, they forget figures and stuff about you. You know, it's nervous. You're there with five dragons on, on there trying to present. It can be very nerve wracking. Um, and so you've got to give them the benefit of that. And I, and I guess that's why sometimes I'm nicknamed the nice dragon and I'm not too mean to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I, like I said to you before we even come on the call, your approach was very calm, uh, very understanding, but still had the right edge and made the right decisions, you know, but it doesn't need to be done in a mean way, does it? You know, I think we did it really well. I really certainly like the style. I, I love that you said that they need, you almost said that they need to be coachable. They're willing to take on advice. They're willing to take yeah. on that mentorship because the reality is that is a real thing, isn't it? If somebody, you can, you can give them everything. If yeah. if they're not going to do anything with it, you you're going to struggle, aren't you? You know, and I exactly. think that's really, really yeah. key and important. One yeah, of, and yeah, one of the, the skills that I did sort of pick up um, over the five years was essentially that you know each each season you you meet about a hundred plus entrepreneurs, and you have to make decisions or sort of mini judgments uh, in the sense that. Are they fulfilling these boxes? Which means you've got to ask them questions to, to sort of get a response from them to understand, is this someone you can work with, et cetera. So you sort of develop a skill about people. And, you know, I think that was quite interesting, which I never, never expected would be one of the, the things I would learn from, from the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, really sort of making those quicker judgments and getting that right. So on, on the show, how did, I mean, this obviously I'd love to hear about what was one of the investments that you've enjoyed the most. Is there one that you've enjoyed the most particularly, or there's been one that you loved or something that you've, you've really got a lot of, a lot of value or fulfillment from in any way, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of them was uh, a few have exited now. Um, but so one of them I invested was, uh, protein shaker bottle called Shakespeare, which was a patented idea. And it's just got a spherical top and base that when you shake it, the protein powder gets, you know, protein shakers done much quicker and there's no bit stuck in the ends. So I saw that as a, as a really interesting product and the fact that he had a patent as well. Um, so I invested in that business, but I wasn't happy with the design of the product. I thought it was a very bulky box with a lot of compartments on there, had a flat bottom visually. So I said, look, we need to completely change this and we need to go by what your real product is about. It's about the spherical top and base. And I want to see a spherical base and a top. And that's what's going to really make your product different. And just keep it simple. Just have that as a functionality and cut it to the bones and then people realize what your product is. So it took a year to do that. Um, you know, and and eventually um, launched it, did really well the product in, in you know in the UK internationally, and eventually the the founder decided to buy me out, and you know he, he wanted full uh, ownership, and I did very well out of it, and a huge multiple from that. So I was uh, was happy to, to 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 sell it, and there were a couple of the businesses like Look After My Bills, which um, you know an energy switching company, which I thought was great, uh, you know scalable business, uh, saves people 
um, you know, again, right? yeah, exactly. Every year, automatically switches you, and that scaled very quickly. And eventually, got bought up by Go Compared at a, at a big multiple. Um, so, the wool wool business is an interesting one as well. How that's grown and with the pandemic, how it's affected it and grown. Um, so, there's been some some really good, um, you know, really good experiences. And Touchwood today, none of the businesses I've invested in have have have, have you folded or you know gone into trouble, which is uh, which is really good. Yeah, so great, great track record with them all, and you know, it sounds like it's uh, been really interesting. And again, look after your bills, being a, a big brand, a big brand, brand yeah. name, right now. Yeah. So you know, yeah. say you know it straight away. So that's incredible. How, how did it change things for you um, yourself personally, being on the show? What was the impact to that like? I mean, you said you were nervous before you, you not nervous, wrong word, but you apprehensive, probably a better word, yeah. uh, before you went on the show, and then obviously being on it five years being now very well known, you know, what's that been like? Has that made things different views? It created new opportunities. What kind of impact has that had? A hundred percent. It's created a lot more opportunities for me. You know, those those five years is like a 15-year, what you would have gained doing what you were doing. So it's accelerated that and it's given me access. And, you know, you build up a great black book of people. So today if I wanted to call a retailer, and say, I need a meeting, I need to get this, you'll have that response. So um, I think it's an enabler. It's, it's yeah. allowed me to, to help my own business by understanding uh, and having opportunities to meet people in different areas and tech startups, et cetera. So it, it's definitely brought a lot of opportunities and, you know, yeah, about getting outside your comfort zone and, and, and doing something that's that's there. You know, I think in life, there's two things. You've got to make opportunities and take opportunities. Because setting yourself up, like say, say you do a university degree, you're making an opportunity for yourself, and you know, but then you get job, and as a result, you'll get job offers. So you'll get opportunities coming from it, and then it's about taking it. It's about going for the interview and what you can do yourself to compete against the other candidates to do it. You know, like the Dragons Den, I was, I was one of the ten candidates that were there. I made an opportunity. Okay, Vitabugs grew as a result from that the opportunity for dragons and came and then you've got to take it and then you know do everything you can to get that so i think in life you can keep doing that when you take that opportunity it more opportunities you make more opportunities for yourself and you know then i was lucky position to to create opportunities for other people and entrepreneurs as a result of the show i i love that i think that you know take opportunities is is well known right but what that almost presupposes is that the opportunity is going to be good. I think the fact that what you've done is put a front on that and said, hey, we've got to make it ourselves because it is about that personal responsibility yeah. and actually put yeah. ourselves into those environments in order to get the results that you want to get. So I absolutely love that. Um, is, that something, is that something that's natural to you or where did that come from? <laughs> you know, is that just um, something that you realized along the way? It, it, it's something, funny enough, uh, that I thought about, I was I was giving a speech at my university. They they kindly offered me a awarded me a honorary doctorate, and uh, and I was giving a speech to to the students graduating. And I just thought, you know, following from my life and what's really important, what message could I give to them starting out and in life? And you know, people always hear, do what you love, do what you're passionate about, and. You hear that all the time. It comes in one year, goes out the other year. What message could you say in life that's going to, in any field that you do, it's about making an opportunity. And when it presents it, you make sure you take it. Don't just leave it on the table, you know. 
Well, I absolutely love it. And I think that message certainly, you know, resonates in a, in, in a big way because if, you know, I think it's really important for, for business owners starting out to realize that nothing gets handed to you. I mean, I've never, ever met a successful person who's not had to work very, very hard, you know, and had to create those opportunities that obviously take them, yeah. right? So yeah. really, really important. I absolutely yeah. love that. Um, so what's next, I suppose, is, the, is, is kind of what we what I'd say to us. Yeah. Incredible journey. What's next for you, do you think? You know, what direction are you going on now? <laughs> you know? For- yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot happening. There's obviously my business, which I'm growing. And, you know, since, since the pandemic, there's been a huge uh, interest in health and nutrition and people's uh, awareness about immunity and things like that. So... I'm trying to grow the business now in the UK and internationally, and of course, a lot more digitally at the same time, trying to expand into China and other markets. Also, you know, I have a lot of other interests and whether it's investing in some businesses um, with Dragons and obviously there's so many businesses you're picking up, but I'm more focused and strategic now in terms of which particular businesses and different size of investments. Um, I like property and real estate, so I do that. Uh, My wife set up her business, which is incredible. So she's been a dentist for the last, well, for 11 years, she was a dentist and all of a sudden she came up with an idea for a product, um, you know, that allows women to get ready in half the time. So I, I thought is a, is a fantastic idea. And I said, look, um, you know, you should go for it. And uh, in fact, I want to invest in it. And she said, no, I'm we not going to invest in it. I want to invest. And she says, no, I'm not letting you invest, but. Uh, I don't mind you helping me and advising me. <laughs> so she owns a hundred percent and she's invested all her own money, which is what she wanted to do from her savings. And she was launching the business and it sort of, she created the product um, and was ready to launch in the middle of the pandemic. And she's like, God, you know, it's the worst time to launch a business because it's, you know, beauty type of thing. People are, need to be out. Um, are they going to use the product? And I said, look, actually it's the best time to launch a business because everybody's sitting at home they're online, go direct to consumer, you know, journalists and everyone are wanting new products to talk about and mention. So I said, you know, just do it. And so in the last year, she's done phenomenally well, grown it and launched into retail and grown internationally. So it's a journey. She never thought she'd be an entrepreneur in her life. It was actually just trying to solve a need. She actually wanted a product like that that didn't exist. And so created it and created that solution, which now changes the way people do their makeup every day. So I think that's, and the main thing is to take action. You know, it's like, uh, and you know, th- there was a point where she was trying to perfect it and make it right. And ultimately, you have to launch something it needs to be good quality and, and ready. But then eventually, it will evolve from customer feedback. So don't try and wait for the perfect opportunity, the perfect condition, the perfect you know, was mm-hmm. the pandemic or not. You just got to go for it, and and things will things will shape fall into place. Yeah, I'll, I often say to people, there wouldn't be an iPhone thirteen if there wasn't an iPhone one, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Continually, <laughs> continually improving it. I mean, I, I think it's been amazing. I've loved hearing about the journey. I've just got one last question I'd love to, to ask you, and, and, and that would be, you know, advising business owners that are starting up or they're growing, they're in their company, you know, maybe they've hit a few walls or a few plateaus along the way. What would be just a couple of general bits of advice you'd give to that kind of person to, you know, whether it's to focus, whether it's to stay on track, what do you think is really important for an entrepreneur to take them to that next level of success? Look, I think uh, what's very important is one of the things I told my wife when, when she set up a business, I said, look, be prepared that you're always going to be firefighting and, and having to solve problems and coming up with issues. 
And today she goes, thank God you told me that because it's just literally <laughs> one thing after another. And if it can go on, it does. And I was like, yes, it does. And at the same time, you've got to think of the bigger picture and how you're growing your business. And you have to deal with the issues. And there's always going to be issues that are going to go wrong, whether it's a shipment problem, a product problem, a customer problem, you know, um, a distribution issue. So um, just be prepared that, that that is going to happen. That is part of life. And, you know, you just got to get started. And, and, and if you can build the support of people, other entrepreneurs to talk to about it, because that's very useful. Um, and find someone uh, as a mentor who, who has the experience and who can, who can help you fast track and prevent yeah. certain issues because you want to conserve your, your money and try and take it as further as you can. Um, but the best thing is that there's no other better time in history to set up a business than today because the friction has been taken away. It's so easy to set up your company with a couple of clicks, trademarks, set up bank accounts, accept payments, uh, directly sell to consumers versus to having to beg a buyer in a retail store to list your product, pay listing fees, you know, set up thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in print ads or, you know, TV ads. You can just test it with a couple of hundred dollars um, uh, online to see if you're getting good return on investment. So, so really, and, and third-party logistics to ship your goods out. You don't have to worry about all that. So really, if you have an idea and if you want to do it just with a small amount of money, you should be able to get up and running and test it. So don't be afraid. No, don't be afraid. And that's the key, yeah. isn't it? Don't, yeah. don't be afraid. Create those opportunities or make the opportunities and take them. Yeah. Well, look, I just yeah. want to say a huge thank you. I think, you know, I really respect you're certainly a busy, busy man with a, a huge company to run and lots of other things to do. So I'm really pleased to have you on. I think it's been amazing, some great advice there for entrepreneurs. So a big thank you from me and for the audience who've been listening, make sure that you maybe this one listen to it two or three times take these in you know take these notes and these pieces of advice in because they can make a major major impact on your life and of course if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review and tell me how you enjoyed this episode thank you again for coming on today it's been amazing thank really you adam it. appreciate that i'm glad it was useful thank you bye uh, thank you ever so much brilliant Really, really good. Great. Really, really I'm good. glad uh, that it went well, and uh, and yeah. uh, it was it was useful stuff. Yeah. No, I think you you know certainly I'm sure we get a, a, a lot of uh, you know impacts off that. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. Best of luck. Right. Yeah, see you bye. Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.